All right, thank you very much. Turn your Bibles to the book of Psalms. Right in the middle, if you open the Bible back right in the middle, you'll probably be really close to being there in the book of Psalms. Psalms 107. Welcome to each one of you in the auditorium. Thank you for being in our adult class. We're trying to build it up again, so help us with that. Encourage people to be here. And if you're listening by way of YouTube or Facebook, we're glad to have you join us this morning also. Or if you're dialed up on your telephone, we're glad to have all of you. And if you are on YouTube or Facebook, if you would just simply make a note that you're there, just like your name or whatever, make some comment or fill out the attendance thing. That'll help us a little bit. We'll appreciate that. And if you are visiting with us today or it's been a while since you've visited, make sure you take one of those attendance cards. Not everybody. Take a moment. Just fill it out. Drop it in the offering, play, the offering box on your way out. We'll consider that a great offering May God bless you. Welcome each and every one. Good to see you. Psalm 107. If you'll find your place there. And I'll be reading, in case you don't have your Bible, I'll be reading these verses, most of them, for you. We'll look at several of these here in Psalm 107. <laughs> but I want to ask you a question before we look at the verse. We're going to look at verse 27 first. Psalm 107, chapter, and the 27th verse. But... In, before we get to it, let me ask you a question to think to yourself. What have you given to the Lord? Have you given him your life, your family, your worries, your cares, your failures? <clears throat> Whatever we're wrestling with, and I'm looking around the auditorium, people are wrestling with all different kinds of things. If you aren't, praise the Lord, your day's coming. <laughs> we wrestle with these things all the time, <clears throat> and we're troubled and it just shows us the fact that we need to commit these things to the Lord. That verse in 1 Peter 5 says, and I like it, but I hate it. It says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Now, those are easy words. Isn't that hard to do sometimes? Or, you know what we do? We do it, then we take them back. D-U-M-B. But we all do it. Now look at verse 27. Of Psalm 107, I'll read this to you. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Notice the expression here, at wit's end. You know, so many expressions that we use have come to use over time. Some of them you hear from your grandma. Some you hear from your dad. And people use them, and people who even don't know the Bible use expressions and sometimes they go back to the Bible. I'm sure you've heard the expression, I'm at my wit's end. You ever heard that expression, sour grapes? Boy, that's sour grapes. Or you heard the one, your teeth are on edge? Those are just a couple examples of things that are contained in the Bible. Now, I don't know that people use those to make those expressions, but at wit's end, it's in the Bible. It's in the King James, it's in English. At wit's end. <clears throat> The word wit, W-I-T, has to do with our intellect. That is, what we can imagine we need to do, what plans we have, what schemes we can come up with, some way we think we can get out of it or get in it or get around it or get over by using our own minds. We've all done that. But the Bible says here in this verse there's a situation here in this verse, in this passage, in this chapter, where someone comes to wit's end. Your wit end, my wit end. 
And basically he's saying, you know what, I can't do anything about it. Isn't that frustration city? It is kind of, isn't it? I can't do a thing about it. If you've lived long enough, you've had that experience. And you know what, I wish it was, a, as I studied this and thought about it, I wish it was a one-time deal, like salvation. I thought, no, Lord, this would be great if I just had to do that one time. But you know what? As long as you live, it's going to be ongoing. Now, it doesn't mean it's every day. I mean, it could be every day. But it doesn't mean it has to be 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. But it's going to happen, and it's going to continue to happen. So don't, don't feel too bad because we're all in the same boat. We're in fellowship. We're all in the same boat. I think it's Job that said, as man is born, he's in trouble as the sparks fly upward. Just be glad you didn't have Job's problem. He has, he has some doozies. <clears throat> now, it may not sound popular to us or something we want to hear, but one of the greatest places we can ever come to in our life is at wit's end. Your wit's end. My own wit's end. It's a great place because there we're willing to allow the Lord to take over. We, I don't think we consciously mean to, we help the Lord out, don't we? No, we don't say, Lord, I'll take over now. I know what, I, I know what to do. We don't say that, but in our actions, we're thinking it. And we try to help the Lord out. I've done it a few times myself. I don't think it ever works. And I'm back where I was. Now, don't go to the extreme and say, well, bless God, I don't care about nothing, nobody, I'm just going to let it, don't care. That's the extreme. The Christian life is a balanced life. And the Bible's a balanced book. So when Peter said, cast all your care on him, he realized you have cares in this life. Jesus even said, in this world, you will have tribulation. He wasn't talking about the one in Revelation. He was talking about daily stuff. But that's the good thing. That's not the end of the verse. <clears throat> so Jesus said, you're going to have it. He's talking to his own disciples, to you and to me. It's in the Bible. But he said, but, the good old conjunction, it joins two thoughts. Be of good cheer. I, meaning Jesus, have overcome the world. You know anybody else that's overcome the world? Death, hell, and the grave? I don't. Only one guy. I say that respectfully. One person, I should say. And John said, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You think the world's crazy, and it is. You know why? I mean, if you reduce it down, I know what the politicians say. They're not always right on anyway, but if you reduce it right down, the problem is sin and the problem is us not looking to the Lord and trusting him and willing him to take over situations. That's part of the problem. <clears throat> when did you have to deal with things in life that you could not handle but tried to handle it? Again, you finally come to the place where you admitted that you could not handle it or fix it. And we've all can relate to that. In, in here in Psalm 107, it deals with the subject of life and how God works in our lives, showing that God can do all things. God, we, we all would agree this morning, God can do all things, but do we really believe it? We kind of, in our mind again, we say, well, God can do everything. But my problem, that's the way people are. I've been around the barn at least once. I listen to people talk, and I am a people. Well, God can help everybody else's problems, but you know, here's my problem, and God can't help mine because mine's too big. I guarantee there's people sitting in this class this morning who have some 
fairly big problems. I don't say that to be mean. It's, it's a fact. And we think, well, God can't do them. We forget who God is. We're allowing society to dumb us down. God is God. He's not the man upstairs. I hate the bumper sticker for two reasons. Things go better with God. Number one, they don't go better with Coke. It's a takeoff of a Coke commercial. But things go better with, with God. I mean, I know what they're trying to say, but to me it demeans him. And so he is God. He's all-powerful, all-powerful. Nobody is more powerful than him. Even the guys in Washington, Columbus, and in New York, the United Nations, they think they're all-powerful. Compared to God, they're nothing. And I don't say that disrespectfully. But sometimes they think they're all that. As we would say, oh, I'm all that you are. Compared to God, you ain't nothing. And that includes me and you also, by the way. He's all-powerful. Do we forget that? Not consciously. But when it comes to our problem, we forget he's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. I don't know anybody all-knowing. I know some people who think they know everything. Aren't they annoying? Because they don't know everything, but they think they do. <clears throat> he is all-seeing. Now, your mother, like my mother always said, I got eyes in the back of my head. I can see what you boys are doing. She didn't have eyes in the back of her head. She was a mother. They have a special gift of God, whatever it is, I don't know. But can I say respectfully, say God has eyes, he sees everything. He knows not the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. You don't, I don't. We forget who God is. We need to be reminded that with God, all things are possible. Do you know what? If I remember correctly, the great seal of the state of Ohio, I think at the bottom says... With God, all things are possible. I'm surprised you're not trying to remove that. <laughs> Am I right on that seal thing? Somebody correct me after. I'm pretty sure with God, all things are possible. Interesting that that's on the state seal of Ohio. Very interesting. Or I believe I'm, somewhere I saw it and remember it. I don't know where, though. We need to be reminded also that all things work together for good. That's a tough verse, too, isn't it? Romans 8, 28. <laughs> Oh, we know the English words, and we know what it means, but boy, that's a tough verse to swallow, personally. We know, not we're guessing, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. It's an all-encompassing verse, but boy, it's a, it's a doozy sometimes to really put the practical aspect. Do you, many of you would remember an old preacher called Lester Roloff. Some of you don't. He was an old man from Texas. He had a children's home. He was a preacher. He was um, special. <laughs> he would just start singing while he was preaching. Now, the boy really didn't have that great of a voice. I mean, he loved the Lord. You could tell that when he sang, but he wasn't that good at singing. But he, I don't know if he thought he would, but he wasn't. But he could preach. You know, he used to tell an illustration of what we're talking about this morning. He used to talk about making homemade biscuits. Now, most of us, when we have biscuits, we go to Walmart and get them in the refrigerator section. We crack the can. And in the old days, he didn't have that. And he was an old man. He's been gone for probably 30 years, 40 years maybe. He's been gone a long time. He used to tell this story about making biscuits homemade. <clears throat> Doesn't appeal to me. <clears throat> but he said this. He said that when you make homemade biscuits, they have all these different ingredients each single ingredient by themselves 
doesn't taste good, doesn't have any value. But he says when you put them all together and you put them under the heat for a little while, you got something. And what he said, his illustration said that's the way our life is. One little thing here, one little thing there may not seem like much, but God puts them together and puts you under the fire. It puts us under the fire. Remember when Peter said, be, be, beware of the fiery trial which shall try you. That's not a pleasant verse either, is it? And so, but the thing is, God puts all these things together and puts you under the fire, and it's good. The Bible says we're supposed to be conformed to the image of Christ. Who does the conforming? I don't think it's me and you. We may, our heart may want to, but you know who does the conforming of you to Christ? Christ. How does he do it? Well, a bunch of different ways. One of the ways is through what we just talked about. Little different things here, things there, one thing, and he puts them all together and turns up the heat. That's the way he works. Trouble and affliction and heartache born in the spirit of Christ produce greatness in a man's life. And by the way, people are watching you and me. How do you act and react to these things? Remember, you have Christ, the hope of glory, living in you. So there should be some difference as opposed to the unsaved world's reaction to things. That doesn't mean you go, oh, Lord, thank you for all these problems today. I don't think I've ever done that. I'm not that spiritual. Oh, send me some more problems, Lord. Need some more. I say, could you calm it down a little bit, please, right now, Lord? Give me one a day. Like vitamins, I don't, I don't want 10 a day. And then 10 days in a row, I'm sure we've all felt like, I am sure we have all felt like that. But there's no greatness without trouble. There's no growing without trouble. There's no developing the Christian life and becoming more like Jesus Christ without dealing with difficult things that remind us of our need to grow and to be more like Jesus. I don't know about you, present company accepted. I don't see too many people, heard too many people that I, I live in the rural world, I don't see too many of them acting like Jesus. Do you? So we should be thinking about that a little. We should act like Jesus. I don't mean, you know what I'm saying. I'm not going to explain it. We need to have more people act like Jesus. Maybe if more people acted like Jesus truly, maybe more people would watch it and say, you know what? I wonder what that guy's got. Maybe that's part of our problem. I don't know. The Bible says there in the same chapter, look down to verse 32. Psalm 107, verse 32. We're talking about at wit's end this morning. Verse 32 of 107. Let them that exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turneth rivers into a wilderness. And the water springs into dry ground. Here the psalmist says God can take a wilderness and make it a water spring. We all would say, yeah, I believe he could this possible. He can also take the water spring and make it a wilderness. Hence again, God can do all things. All things. You and I can't, we are limited. Look down to verse 34. <clears throat> This is all introduction, by the way. I hope we're done by 12. <laughs> Psalm 107, verse 34. A fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. 
He turneth the wilderness into a standing water, and dry ground into water springs. And there he maketh the hungry to dwell, that they may appear or may prepare a city for habitation, and sow the fields and plant vineyards, which may yield fruits of increase. He blesseth them also, so that they are multiplied greatly, and suffereth and not their cattle to decrease. Again, they are minished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. He poureth contempt upon princes and causeth them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Yet setteth he the poor on high from affliction and maketh him families like a flock. God again can make the prince like a pauper. I pity these people who live by watching the stock market. And I'm not saying it's wrong to invest money, but I'm saying, you know what, it's, it's, it's up, it's down, it's up and down. I, watch, I like to watch some of the business. I like business stuff. But you know what? You can go crazy. I'm the Lord, I change not. The stock market changes all the time. The interest rate changes. Politicians, everything changes. I'm the Lord, I change not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but you know, well, some of you were babies maybe in 29. I think my dad was born in 29. You know, they said when the stock market crashed, a lot of, a lot of people jumped out of buildings, killed themselves. Interesting. I wasn't around. Most of you were even just this bit. You didn't know what happened. I didn't either. So, so be careful. Now, if you're not at wit's end this morning, you might, somebody might be saying, you know what? I am at wit's end. You know what? God gave this message for you. Now, I know it's good for all of us. It's good for me. I liked it. I learned something. Last, last week, I contacted a preacher. I, I do text. I'm not too far. I'm a little behind on the Texas preacher in, in, in our state who has a disease. He has RLS. That's restless leg syndrome. Maybe some of you have that or know someone. Anyway, he struggles with that to the point where he almost quits church. So last week, I texted him. And he immediately texted me back and said, you know what? I needed that just at this exact moment. I texted back and I said, that's the Lord working, brother. He said, amen. I didn't know. So what I'm saying is, he might have been at his wit's end. I don't know. I don't have RLS. I got all kinds of other problems, but I don't have RLS. But I imagine it's got to be difficult because your leg doesn't work right. And it, whatever, anyway. So he might have been at his wit's end. And you know what? God uses us sometimes to help people who are at their wits end. And by the way, did you ever read that verse, you reap what you sow? Well, nobody ever asked me about anything. Well, maybe you should go around and ask people and pray for them. You reap what you sow. We like to use that verse. It works for this kind of stuff, too. You might be just the person to help somebody who's at their wits end. God uses people. And then when you need it, God will send someone to help you. And so I said, you made my day. Another preacher I called, he said, well, Mark, you made my day. I said, well, good. Now, surely I didn't make his day as good as he thought it was. <clears throat> this is a different preacher than the RS guy. But in his little mind, I shouldn't say that. I don't know if his mind's a little or not. In his mind, he's like, this is great. It's greater him than me. 
But do you read that verse? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, he didn't say it's wrong to receive. <clears throat> it's more blessed to give than receive. So we both got a blessing. So God may use you to help someone who's at their wit's end. You've either been at your wit's end. You're sitting there right now. You're saying, oh, yeah, I'm there, preacher. Or you're going to be. <clears throat> you ever read that verse? Who knoweth what a day may bring forth? Even today or tomorrow, who knows? One day could change your life totally or my life. We don't know. There's coming a time in all our lives we need to raise our hands and surrender to the Lord Jesus and say, Lord, this is bigger than me. That kind of knocks the pride down a couple pegs, doesn't it? I realize I can do nothing. Without God, I am nothing. But without me, God is still God. Now, I want to share with you, that's the introduction. <clears throat> We're going to make it by 1230 after all. <clears throat> I probably have more to say than I have time for, so I'll try to get to it. First, I want us to look at this chapter and these verses and these thoughts about wit sin. The Lord we know. Again, the Lord does not change. Remember Hebrews 13.8 says this. Jesus Christ, the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. I don't think I can wrap my mind around that. Maybe you're smarter than me. I don't get it. I mean, I understand the English words. I appreciate that. I appreciate the English. But can you really, really get the depths of the meaning of that? Because we all change. Did you come here this morning and lose a few? Some of you, maybe not. Okay. When I'm in the shower, I say, oh, Lord, now please don't let any more hair fall out. And I always check it. Then if I see, I go, praise the Lord. If I see something, I say, now, Lord, come on, help me here. <laughs> we change all the time, don't we? And we're not even aware of it. He does not change. We all know that. We agree with that. Look at verse 1 of 107, chapter 107. Look at the very first verse, which we did not read. Psalm 107, verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Notice two things. Number one, he is good. In Jesus' ministry, one thing they said about him, he went about doing good. So God is good. And number two, his mercy endureth forever. That's pretty big time, isn't it? The worst thing that can happen to us is to get to the place in life where we think God is no longer good. If you're not careful, you can get there, even a Christian. Even who reads their Bible every day, even who prays, if you're not careful, you can start thinking that. Do you remember the book of Genesis? You remember the story of the Garden of Eden? Which is a real story, by the way. Regardless of what we hear, we go out the doors of the building. Do you remember what happened there with Adam and Eve? Satan basically tried to tell them that God was not being as good to them as he could be. Isn't that really what it was? Go back and read the story. And I think you're probably all familiar with it. He basically said, God's cheating you guys. God's not being good to you guys. And you know what? I think the, woman's, the woman and not, the woman swallowed it a little bit because she said, I'm going to try that apple. Or that whatever fruit it was, it wasn't an apple. The Bible does not say that. That's what It looks in encyclopedia, but it's not an apple. It says a fruit. 
Does it really matter what it was? But anyway, God said don't, and they said we're going to. And she gave it to her husband. Now, the Bible doesn't say what she said to him. I often wondered, what did she say to him to make him do that? Maybe she just did this number, and he just said, okay. Yes, dear, anything you say, dear, yes, dear. I don't know if he did that number, or if she had the sweet talking. The Bible doesn't say, but he took it. And so, really, the devil is trying to convince them both, and guess what? He lied to them. And we say, oh, that's bad. But you know what? You and I do the same thing sometimes. We get to thinking in our own little mind, and I'm using little compared to God's mind. We think, well, God's not good to me. God is not good. That verse just said he was. And how many times has the devil told you and I the same lie and people fall for it? The man you're married to, these kids, this job, this place, why is everyone else, things are going good for them, but everything's going bad for me? That's our perception, which is, may not be always the truth. You think you need to talk to people, walk around, you might find out you're doing pretty good. If you could get up and walk and have your being, some people can't do that this morning. And I want to be very careful None of you in a nursing home this morning. And I say that respectfully because we have people from this church in nursing home. And guess what? Your family can't come and see you. One of the ladies of the church, they t- that her son sees her through a window. How can he communicate effectively to his mother through a window? It was hard enough for me to talk to my mom face to face, much less through a window. <laughs> so it depends on how you look at things, huh? Our perspective. But the devil's always telling, God's not good, God's not good, he's not good to you, he's not good to you. Hey, you got up this morning, you're still breathing. God is good. Many of you, maybe not all of you, had something for breakfast. Now, it may be a breakfast bar. I don't call that a breakfast. It's kind of cheesy if you ask me, but hey, I don't eat breakfast for a bunch of reasons. But that's, I could eat breakfast, I just didn't. I just don't eat breakfast. I eat twice a day, that's enough. I'm keeping my weight up, that's all I'm worried about. I think if I would eat more, I'd, probably, I'd really be spending my ministry. <laughs> I mean, because people keep giving me goody stuff. I've almost got my peeps almost gone now. Every one of them was good. And I didn't eat them all at one pop. Hey, boy, that sugar rush is good, but it only lasts shortly. <clears throat> Don't believe the devil's lie that God has to be good to you. When we doubt the goodness of God, we're on dangerous ground. Now, the unsaved world, they're gonna, they may say that. Say, God, why are you doing this to me? They don't have the Spirit of God. They're not saved. We give, we give a little bit of grace. We should. But the Lord is good no matter what's going on in our lives. Even you today, no matter what's going on in your life, your family's life, God is still good. He's the same. He doesn't change. We change. Someone you love may have broken your heart. If you live long enough, it be true. Is that bad, bad grammar? Too bad. It be true. But whatever has happened in your life never changes the fact that God is good. 
we start thinking, which is dangerous. I call it stinking thinking. What did I do? God did this to me. What have I done to deserve all this? We shouldn't think that way because that may cause us to doubt the goodness of God. The passage says, He is good, not sometimes, not only when things are going good. Let me read to you in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. The Bible says, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. The devil's work is to convince people that God is not good because it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. Now you go home and read that verse and think about it just a little bit. Repentance is turning from one direction to another. Goodness of God leads to repentance, but when we doubt God's goodness, we're moving away from God. The Lord we know is good. He always has been good, and he always will be. Because he's God. He does not change. I still don't get it. If you do, I'll be glad to listen to your explanation of it. <clears throat> we, we say occasionally, well, the Lord's been so good to me lately. We know what somebody means when they say that, and that's not a bad thing to say, but it's not really true. He's always good to you. He's always good to me. We interpret God being good as everything going perfect in our life. That doesn't line up with the scripture. <clears throat> there was only one perfect man that killed him on the cross. I guess God was good to him, if you can take that analogy, huh? Of all people, he did deserve it. He's also a God of mercy. By the way, <clears throat> we get so full of ourselves, we're consumed with thoughts about what we, des we deserve. Listen, if we got what we deserved, we'd all be in hell. I know that's kind of a straight thought, but that's the absolute truth. And by the way, there is one. That's why Jesus came and died and resurrected to save people from that place. Right. We all think we're pretty good, don't we? But yet, yet if it wasn't for the Lord's mercy, we would be consumed by his wrath. There in verse 1 again says, Give thanks unto the Lord for he's good, for his mercy endureth forever. In Psalm 136, don't turn there. The entire 136 psalm is about God's mercy. <clears throat> Everything God does, the Bible says, is accentuated with this fact. His mercy endureth forever. That sounds like a sermon in the making. <clears throat> Not today. Every time we put food in our mouth, whether it be breakfast, you're probably going to do something at lunch. I guarantee you I'm having lunch since I didn't have breakfast. We should say, thank God he's got a mercy. In my case, certainly, thank God. You know, is there anybody who doesn't like to eat? Most people, some people live to eat, some people eat to live. You go home and figure that one out. Everything tastes the same. It tastes good. We all like to eat. Thank God. In my case, especially. No, it's not perfect, but it goes down eventually. And it tastes good. I was worried stuff would taste weird. Of all the weird tricks, Pepsi tasted weird. Can you imagine that? Everything tastes normal but Pepsi. My wife said, oh, that's an acquired taste. I said, no, it's not. <laughs> she might be right. I kept drinking it and drinking it and drinking it. All of a sudden, it tastes like Pepsi again. So now all the tastes, all the tastes are good. 
Thank the Lord for Pepsi. I mean, I couldn't stand to drink a Coca-Cola. That's another message. <clears throat> one of our missionaries said they like Pepsi. I meant to shake their hand and give them one. <clears throat> when we lie down at night in bed, we should thank God you got a bed. God's mercy, we got a bed. You're not sleeping on the floor. You if you're sleeping on the floor, you got a roof over your head, especially when it's cold. Now, I, I believe in and have electric blanket. <clears throat> I don't like them. I do. And when it's winter, I turn my electric blanket and say, oh, Lord, thinking my blanket's working. And by the way, I got my own controls, so she doesn't control any. She's got her own controls. I turn that puppy all the way up an hour before I go to bed. So when I jump in naked as a jaybird, it'd be warm. I say, oh, thank you, Lord. This is warm. Thank you, I have an electric blanket. Thank you, it works. Nothing worse when it doesn't work. You have to get a new one. Thank you for electric. Did your electric go around the house? Ever go out at your house? Of course. Thank you, the electric's in the house. That means the furnace is working. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God is merciful. It all depends on our perspective. So when we have a hard time or someone we know is having a hard time, we should never forget that the Lord we know is good and that he's God of mercy. No wonder the psalmist said in Psalm 23, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So the Lord we know, the life we live, I don't think we're going to make it by 1230. <clears throat> Here in this chapter, Psalm 107, the Lord paints four life scenes. And I'm going to go through these real quick because then I want to get to the lessons that we learn. Four life scenes. The first one is in verse 3. And for sake of time, I don't think I'm going to read it. You can speed read it real quick. The first scene that God paints with a word picture concerning life we live is a scene where people need direction. I don't mean the kind you get from your GPS. Your GPS can't tell you God's will. It can't tell you what you need to do. It can tell you where to go. And you know what? It's not always rice. right. Sorry, Brother Rice. It's not always right. When they first came out, a couple times it took me the wrong place. I'm going, what's, what's up with this? Or it takes you around. I'm going, I'm going from here. Math tells you the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And it goes all around. I'm going, who wrote this program? They're a nut. So when I'm talking about direction, I mean what you need to do, decisions you need to make. That's the first thing that people need direction. The Bible says there is a way which seemeth right unto a man. You can argue and plead with someone, and maybe you have, maybe yourself, and they say, well, my way's right, this is right for me, this is what I'm going to do. You ever had that experience? You're like talking to this empty pew right there. It's like you're talking to a hardhead. Forget it. It's right for me. That verse goes on and says, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, not just salvation, but in any area. Everyone needs direction. I'm sorry, I need it, you need it. That's why you pray daily for wisdom, for direction, for that day. Because you might die before the day's up, or you might die the next morning. So you need direction and wisdom for that day. <clears throat> Here are people who wander with no direction. They're aimlessly wandering. Again, I didn't read the verse for sake of time. I apologize for that. Remember, Lula, all we like sheep have gone astray. 
We've turned our own way. And so we all need direction. In verse 8, he says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord. Why should men praise the Lord? We should praise him because he delivers us. When he delivers us, we praise him. But question, why do we not praise him before we get deliverance? We're kind of hypocritical. We're all whacked out before and act like God can't do anything. We say, oh, well, by the way, thanks, Lord. And sometimes we forget to thank him. The second scene is in verse 9. I'm not going to read. But it says there in the, in the verse there, verse 9, there was none to help in these three verses. So perhaps someone who had been there, if someone had been there, there would be someone to help them. So they had no help. Have you ever felt like that? I don't have anybody to help me. I'm all alone. God said, good, now you're going to depend on me. Or he might be, and I'm not God, good, I got you where I want you now. Remember what Jesus said in John 15, 5? The last part of verse 5, I'm going to tell you what he said. Without me, you can do... Those are two zeros. Now, either Jesus was telling the truth or he's a liar. And I say that reverently. He's not a liar. So you know what that means? Without him, without him, with him, I can do nothing. And yet Paul said, I can do all things through Christ. <clears throat> One of the most delicate things in parenting, as you know, parents, is to know when to let your kids make their own decisions and fall on their own and whether you should step in to help them or not. Sometimes you just have to let them go and learn. I think our Heavenly Father sometimes is like that. Okay, you want to do it your way? Go right ahead and have a nice day. And you go right ahead and you don't have a nice day. I think I'm moving ahead because this is I'm moving to, to the to the lessons that we learn because we're never going to get done. And this is the best part. What are the lessons we learn from all this stuff? I'm at the wit's end. The Bible says, Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. <clears throat> so do you and I understand how God demonstrates his loving kindness to us? One of the lessons God wants us to know is if we understand his love and his kindness, we'll understand him and we'll be able to help other people. Sometimes we look back on experiences that we've had and we say, boy, I'm glad that's over with. Or we say, God helped me through that. I say to myself, I don't know how in the world I lasted a month in the hospital. I got ants in my pants, my dad used to say. He'd sit still, he'd say. He hated to take me fishing because I couldn't sit still. My brothers hated me. Mark, sit still, you're scaring the fish, be quiet. I'd be running around all, I just, how in the world did I do that <clears throat> to myself? Grace to God and people's prayers, that's the answer. The people were wonderful, but the hospital experience is miserable. Next, <laughs> it's God is the only answer. I can't, I can't figure it out. God also lets us come to our wits end. Much like our earthly father may do, our heavenly father lets us come to our wits end so that we can give up our plan for his plan. Sometimes people decide what they're going to do, and they do it, and 
doesn't matter what happened, we're going to do it. Okay, you're at your wit's end, so you have to look to God. <clears throat> There's another lesson we need to learn. Just as we want God to direct our lives, we have to let God direct other people's lives. You know what? You can't superintend somebody else's life. Now, a pastor's job is to give counsel and direction prayer. I understand all that. But I mean, generally speaking, you probably have a full-time job keeping yourself straight. Can I say it that way? Much less worried about everybody else in the church. You worry about yourself. Keep yourself going straight. That's a full-time job. That's not the first time I've said that. We have to let God work in other people. Sometimes we try to straighten them out. And we stop and think God's been trying to straighten you up for 40 years and he's not succeeded yet. Isn't that to the point? So you have to let God, not only our children, they need to learn how to trust the Lord. I wish you could unscrew their little heads and dump it in. They have to learn on their own how to trust him. They have to learn on their own how to let him lead in their life. Now, they may see you evidence in your life, but that'll help. But they still got to do it. God is good, so don't ever doubt God's goodness. He's merciful. In these four scenes, that I didn't give you all of them, we find yourself, go home and read this later. The main lesson, here's the whole thing condensed into, into, into one sentence. We need to realize how God uses things to bring us to our wit's end, that we might look to him. If you've got nothing else, get that. I'm going to say it one more time because I need to hear it. The main lesson is, wit's end, we read in verse 27, is that we realize how, how God uses things, and may I add people, to bring us to wits, our wit's end so we will trust in him. Our problem is we don't trust in him enough. We would all would say we trust in him, and we do. But do we really trust? I like that hymn, Oh, for grace to trust him more. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. We do. We need to trust him more. Let's stand, please, with our heads bowed, nice closed for just a moment. <clears throat> Maybe you need to trust him as your personal savior. You see, you can't save yourself. <clears throat> you can try. Only Christ can save Maybe maybe God put this message, this lesson on my heart for somebody who maybe today you're at your wit's end and maybe you even said that to yourself or you thought that even though you did not use those words. May God speak to your heart. Father, speak to every heart this morning as only you can. Take these few thoughts, these few verses. I pray you to apply them to the people who are here in this auditorium in our class. Thank you for them. For those who are listening and watching at home, may it be of help. And Lord, they help us from you. It's not from me. It's your word. I pray it would help. Speak to the heart of that one who may need Christ as their Savior. That they realize without him they can't be saved unless they trust him and him alone. And those who may be at their wits end today, help them to look to you and trust you even more. We pray in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment piano plays. Maybe God's spoken to your heart. Maybe you need to pray about something at the altar. Maybe in your seat you need to pray about something. Maybe you maybe you know someone who's at their wit's end. Be careful because you might be there yourself next week. <clears throat> Don't be too critical. It's not a Bible verse. What goes around comes around. <clears throat> While we wait just a moment, maybe you need to trust him today as your personal savior. Receive him 
not this church, not the preacher, but Christ who died that you might be saved and could go to heaven. While we wait just a moment, 